Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Hey there, what's up everybody? Welcome to Evoke Greatness. This podcast was created for those of you who, like me, are driven by their curious nature and fascination with the champion mindset. If you have an insatiable hunger for growth and knowledge, or maybe you're just curious on how some of the most successful people have navigated their journey, we share the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and all the lessons learned along the way. It doesn't matter what chapter you are on in your story. Maybe you're just getting started, or heck, maybe you're halfway through. What I know is where intention goes, energy flows. It's my most sincere hope that you will hear something in one or maybe many of these episodes that resonates with you and reminds you that you are not in this alone. As we venture into year two, I hope that you find a sense of connection and community when you're here because we all deserve a place where we belong. My name is Sunny and I am so glad you're here. If you're new, there's a few things you want to know about me. I am a huge book nerd and a wee bit of a control enthusiast with an obsession for motivational coffee cups. I believe that a rising tide raises all ships, and I invite you along in this journey to evoke greatness. Welcome back to another episode of Evoke Greatness. My guest today is Crystal Ware. She's a lawyer turned entrepreneur and investor, host of the podcast Get Clear with Crystal, mama of three boys, and she's redefining what it means to become your best self in life, business, and her career. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you so much, Sunny. I am excited to be here and talking to all of your wonderful listeners. Likewise, there's a a lot of aligned points and beliefs and topics that we're going to hit today of what people are really hungry for. And so I'm excited to dive in. And I think you have such an interesting trajectory around your career. And so I'd love for you to share some of what that journey has looked like up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I'm just so, so, so thankful every day. Uh, You know, I always had this kind of self-belief that I really wanted to help people and that I was good at helping people and that's what drove me. And so when I went to law school, I didn't have the ulterior thought of I'm going to be a partner at this great law firm or I'm going to do this specific thing. I went to law school with the thought that I wanted to help people. And that was broad enough to come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and opportunities. And so after I was practicing law for about a year, I just realized that it wasn't a good cultural fit for me. Um, Billing your time was not that fun. Uh, And I just had this opportunity that came to me. And I had a running friend who was a lawyer by background also. And she got, you know, she had transitioned and she got me comfortable with the thought, you know, you go to law school for three years, you spend this time, you spend this money to be a lawyer. And now you're kind of giving up that lawyer hat. But I just realized that 
the people that you surround yourself with, the people that I wanted to surround myself with would make so much bigger of a difference than the title that I had. Mm. And I felt very comfortable with the people I was going to be working with. So I kind of just pivoted there. And over the 10 or so following years of my career, I just kept letting opportunity and feeling and desire for what the next step was going to be shift and shape where I was going. And I really think that a lot of my success is due to my non-linear career path and being open to those opportunities. Um, and so that's kind of how I you know, moved through the decision-making process and then ultimately decided uh, that I wanted to move into entrepreneurship and kind of try my hand at doing the whole kit and caboodle. That's awesome. And I think so often there is the opportunity to get stuck in, this is what I went to school for. This is what I thought I wanted to do. And so did you ever have that? Did you kind of sit in that gray space of like the gnashing of teeth around, should I stay in this? Should I give it longer? Or was it like, I really don't feel fulfilled. And I know, you know, was it kind of cut and dry for you? Or was it a little gray? No, it definitely was gray, Sunny. It absolutely was. There was, you know, tears even, uh, you know, this this come to Jesus moment about where am I going? What do I want my life to look like? And that predefined sense. And I think it's also harder when you, maybe you're a CPA or you're a lawyer or a doctor. How do I let go of this title that right. our culture and community in America finds to be so valuable and so prized. So how do I let go of that to move into something that may actually give me more happiness? And I think we see that a lot more with lawyers and doctors that really aren't fulfilled, but that title and what it means to the outside world can hold you weighted and stuck. So I did fall trap to that. Um, it did take me, um, time to process that and what that meant for me. And also, and this is why I kind of shifted to what I'm doing now and talking to people and trying to mentor women is that it helped me that my running partner had done the same thing. So I could look at her and I had tangible proof that life was not going to end, that money was not going to dry up. And my happiness could be tenfold by letting go of this definition and letting myself naturally flow into something else. So I think that's also really helpful for people to see examples of what they want to do. And that's what I try to be for other people. I love that. It's like that proof of that, that true in life proof of concept. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just so much easier. Like some people have the ability to uh, imagine and other people don't. And I say that all the time. It's like <laughs> my husband and one of my best friends was look at when I bought my house and one of my best friends is looking for a house. She's like, oh, my husband doesn't see it. I'm in love with this house. It's the same when I bought our first house together. <laughs> my husband was like, you like this one? <laughs> yes. But some people need to see it, touch it, feel it. And we have to create and talk and share more so that other women can see what those kind of pivots look like, what a tr non-traditional career, what a non-linear pa uh, career path looks like. Some people just need to see it and understand and see that you came out on the other side. Right, right. I'm curious, of your journey thus far, what has been one of the most powerful lessons you've come across that has kind of shaped you into who you are today? 
without a shadow of doubt, it's who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. The people around you are either going to want to see you win and help you win. They're going to either be positive and be a positive impact on you, or they're going to be a negative and they're going to pull you down. And so when we look at the big pictures of the decisions we make, it's so easy to want to make decisions on monetary value alone. But, and, and, and of course, if people are making decisions like whether or not they can pay your bills, that, you know, money, safety, security is ultimate. But once you move past that, where you are at least relatively comfortable, wherever you are, whatever stage of life, making decisions on who you're going to be around, whether it's personal or it's health wise, whether it's career, I think that is so important. And it took me a little bit of time to move into that and to really understand the value of that and letting go of relationships that weren't serving me um, when my husband and so many other friends were making it very clear. But I'm a really loyal person. I like to give, you know, I want to stick it out. I want to make it work. And it did take me some time to really realize that. But that I think is the biggest factor in you know, other than having to secure yourself and your family, I think that is such a huge impact on just your overall health and happiness. Absolutely. And and I think so much of that comes from, you know, the way we were raised and kind of those patterns that come along the way with us. But in, you come from a working class family. You weren't exposed to lawyers or entrepreneurs or investors mm-hmm. along the way. You just, you really kind of figured it out. And so I'm curious, how has your mindset kind of helped you navigate that path? Yeah. Uh, my mom always told me growing up that I was some weird child that God just gave to her and she did not know where I came from because <laughs> I was so much different than her and my dad. Um, and, and granted, I would not be where I am without them and without my grandparents and all of my amazing family. Um, but I just wasn't exposed. And what it was my curiosity at the end of the day. It's the curiosity in my life that has driven me to question things, to want to learn how things move, want to know what I can do. And uh, that and probably my competitive spirit (laughs) that said, well, I can do that. I could do this um, that have driven me uh, because I certainly, you know, I would say even down to the sports I play as a kid, everything was my idea. My parents weren't pushing me into things. Um, I was just really curious and wanted a lot of experiences in life. Um, and I just went after them. And so I would say that the curiosity mindset, and then to a, a large degree, the confidence mindset, you know, just having the self-belief that you can do something, even if it's hard. Um, and I haven't, I haven't done everything. I have failed at some things. I know that, um, probably to the closest people around me, they don't see or feel that as much because I just move past it. Um, But having the confidence to try, even when you're scared, even when you're uncomfortable, um, I think those are critical uh, to growing and to being great in life. Yeah. And I think that being curious, curiosity lends itself to being open to exploration and being open to this may turn out great. It may not turn out great, but I'm still willing to kind of go out and explore that. And like just that, I think in itself creates opportunities where others may not even see opportunities existing. It's so true. And I think we uh, create too many boundaries upon ourselves by not being curious enough about what we can actually do, what we can achieve. 
um, and not letting even our mind recognize our heart's desire because of the fear of what might happen if we fail or, you know, don't, it doesn't work out the way we're hoping. Um, and so being curious and asking those questions of yourself, what can I stand? What can I take? What kind of risks make sense for me? Um, what other opportunities, you know, I, I envision my life like X. Well, what other opportunities besides what I'm cur- currently doing, what could lead me there? And just being curious, um, about alternative ways to get to a destination, um, can lead you in a great way. And along the way, you have these great experiences that you might not otherwise have had. And you've woven a lot of this into what you do today between uh, with your business and with coaching others to kind of do the same or maybe even explore the things that they want to do that really will bring that fulfillment and that happiness. You have uh, this is a big topic for women, I think, in the senior and executive level space, just kind of in the corporate world. And so you have a course launching in the fall, and it's called From Undervalued to Unstoppable. Can you share more about that and maybe some tips or steps on how someone could make that shift from one to the other? Yeah. So what um, one of the, the driving focuses for me has been on how we as women can get better at asking our worth, raising our value, and getting the maximum salary that we can. You know, we often hear about the wage gap. But what, how do we solve that? And for me personally, you know, I know that there's a lot of conflicting opinions about it. I don't know that it's ever going to be mandated or that it should, that a very tight, you know, pay scale is going to be uh, required or that you yourself as an executive or a corporate person have to disclose. I mean, that might be uncomfortable. There's some privacy to that. Mm -hmm. It is incumbent on us to ask what we deserve. And I think women are inherently um, less likely to raise the flag, to pat themselves on the back, to support their own achievements and share their achievements. They're much more willing um, than our male counterparts to prop up somebody else and not take any credit themselves. And so I think it's really important, and I see this at all levels. I mean, it's really, really hard for young ladies coming out of college or out of high school to advocate for themselves for a salary, but it's still hard for, you know, middle managers, directors, VPs, all the way up. And so I think that is somewhere that I have seen there's a huge need in helping women be able to clearly identify what their achievements are what their specific and unique skills uh, and values are and how to translate those into a monetary value and negotiate for yourself for the top salary, whether it's, you know, asking for a raise for where you're currently at or negotiating a new job. Uh, And that can be very difficult. So that is why I've been putting a lot of effort into creating a course that will help women do that. And that's something that I talk to um, when I'm working with women one-on-one as well. How can women find deeper satisfaction and happiness by owning, by finding and owning their worth? Yeah, I know it, this is, sometimes it seems counterintuitive because on the one hand, we are not the money we make, right? We are separate and distinct. But when it comes specifically to our career and our job, you know, 
there is a tie to what we are getting paid and our happiness and our fulfillment and our satisfaction level. And that's because, and let me hear, I want people to be very clear on this because I'm not saying what you make defines who you are or your value, okay? There is a distinction. But what it does do is represent to you and communicate to you what value your organization places on you. And we as women care more about being valued in that way than our male counterparts, okay? We want to be loved. We want to be appreciated. And how does a job besides a, at a girl, you know, pat on the back, here's your, you know, a, a, a something to sit on your desk saying you achieve something. The way your your company communicates this to you is through your salary. So when you ask and you're denied or you're not voluntarily given a raise that you think is commiserate with what you're doing, or lo and behold, you find out that your counterpart is has not achieved as much as you or is not as seasoned or senior as you, and they're making 50% more, that's like communicating to you, we just don't think you're that great. Right. And so that can start eating away at you, chipping away at you, and creating uh, you know, a lowered sense of self-esteem, a lower sense of value, and that translates to a less fulfilled and happy life. So it's not just about the money. It's about how, what that creates in your mindset, what that creates in your mood, and then how you interact with the people at your organization, which all adds up to, do you love going to work? Do, are you excited to put in? Do you want to go above and beyond because you know they value you? And when you can get to the place where it's aligned with what you believe your value is and the organization is you paying you that, then everything else seems better. Uh, amen to that. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, I what can get on a you... soapbox about that. I mean, oh, it's so. Right. <laughs> it's so and you hard. just hear applause around you. <laughs> what, uh, what do you think is the reason that causes money to be such a taboo topic? Like, why is everybody uncomfortable? Like, people people are willing to talk about sex before they're willing to talk about money. Like, we're, we're willing to have other conversations, uh, and yet money comes well down the line. Isn't that funny? And you hit the nail on the head, Sunny, by saying, you know, people are, especially in our culture today, where we are in the 21st century, sex is everywhere and money is taboo. And it yeah. is so backwards. It's crazy. I think, you know, it's that somewhere along the line um, in the American, you know, culture, you, because money and talking about money and women's place in talking about money, it differs from every country. And I've worked um, internationally a lot. And so I always like to say we're focused here in America and that, you know, has a different connotation. Um, and I think that it's just somewhere along the lines in history where money became rooted in evil, you know, and there's all these sayings around there that we grow up hearing and that taints our vision first and foremost about money. And then when you talk about wanting to earn more or do more or get a luxury car or anything like that, people are quick to, you know, start saying you're a greedy, you're a money grubber, especially for women, you know, you would just want to marry somebody that's wealthy for money. Um, and all of it is negative. And then I think for women, we add a layer where our 
origins come in of being caregivers and that in our culture, that is not valued highly. Look, if you have kids, guys, (laughs) you know, being a stay-at-home mom could be much more costly and much more time-consuming and much more valued than working, to be honest. Um, And so I think that because we don't place an emphasis on that and what the value that brings to our homes, it just, you're not setting yourself up to start at a higher value place. And then you're also not talking about it. And then you're not translating that into a valued feeling when you go into the office to where you have, um, you know, the expectation to talk about it, to prop yourself up. Um, And I think it's kind of a mixture of all of these things that come together that just make money kind of taboo uh, across the board, but certainly for women to talk about. Yeah. What I find so fascinating is we are at a place in time where we probably have the highest percentage that we've ever had in history of women being breadwinners of the family for this to be still such a taboo topic, you know? And and I think maybe a lot of that has to do with our relationship with money. And oftentimes, you know, I know I, I was brought up in by a single mom in poverty. And so I, my relationship with money was a place of scarcity. And so it wasn't until I totally un, like explored that and unpacked it that I got to to the viewpoint that I have on money today, which is very, very different. But I think so much of it is that relationship that you have and really understanding what does that mean? You know, what do I need to kind of unpack and unravel to get to a healthy spot in my relationship with money? I think that's a big thing. Yes. And you, you know, that I grew up in the same place. The scarcity mindset does impact so, so much. Um, and it comes into play like you, I grew up in a working class family. Um, I did have uh, two parents at the home, two dual, you know, dual income earners, but there were times where my grandparents were helping support us. Um, and I think just being old enough and hearing that, and, um, you know, sometimes my mom and I talk about it even now that as a child, I would be the one like, Ooh, can we afford this? Ooh, always asking. Whereas my sister, who's five and a half years younger, didn't pick up on that as much. Mm -hmm. And she would be the one just throwing stuff in the cart, you know, throwing stuff in the cart with no concern or abandon to what that meant. And I have had to fight against that and I still continue. And in fact, it's something on my mind now that I have children that I am thinking about regularly. Like, am I putting too much of an emphasis on we need to be conservative and we don't want to waste things? Um, Am I creating that burden on them as well? Um, because it has been very hard for me to overcome that. Um, and it, it's, it, it is ongoing process. And I think if you grew up that way for most people, it's one, the recognizing, right? That's the Mm -hmm. first step to the problem. And then two, uh, with these deep seated mindsets, which go, you know, truly to a survival mechanism, right? Like it's money, but that translates to thousands of years ago. It was my food. It was my shelter, Um, so that has a primal impact on us and that, you know, when you realize that you had this scarcity mindset instilled at a young age, it's going to take you years and years and years to really overcome that. And so that is something I'm a work in progress. I'm definitely not perfect, but I at least know more and am aware when I start going down these, um, rabbit holes. 
Something else you speak on are the three C's. Can you elaborate a little bit on kind of what those are and and why they're so important in someone's kind of transformation? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we talked about to start with. One, you know, having clarity on where you want to go is so important because you really need to know what your end goal is so that you can uh, design a plan so that you aren't just waking up every day, meandering through life and go towards, you know, a goal and set yourself up for success. You know, what I see a lot of people doing is they know that they want a different life. They know that they aren't happy with where things are, but they haven't invested any time into themselves and what their future may look like. So they're just kind of ambling about. And how can you know that you've arrived? How can you know that you're successful? How can you know that this is what you wanted if you didn't get clear on it and define it? The second C is confidence. Having the confidence to go after and feeling comfortable in making the moves that will help get you on the path to where you want to go. And the third C is courage to live the life that you desire. Because sometimes that's going to abut uh, against other people's views of who you are or the way you should be living, or even what you define for yourself, maybe on paper years and years and years ago, that is no longer serving you. So sometimes it takes courage, just like we talked about in taking off your lawyer or doctor hat, it may take courage to do that because it doesn't go along with the plan and the life that you set about for yourself 10 years ago. So those are the three C's, clarity, confidence, and courage. And when we can put those all together, we can really make shifts to getting ourselves on the path for real, true happiness and fulfillment, which I think is really what people are missing and what they really want out of life. Um, we 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 gleam on to physical things, we gleam on to money, but it's really that deep sense of satisfaction. Um, and we can't, we just can't get there if we're not clear. Yeah, completely agree. I love that it so distinctly dives into each one, but really those those are like a a, a thread that's braided together, right? To to have that ultimate happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, those three really have to be woven together. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm curious, what compelled you to start your podcast? Well, I, you know, had taken the leap. I had started my own business. Um, things had settled down a little bit. As my husband would say, I had idle hands, maybe. <laughs> I like to go above and beyond overboard in um, in what projects I'm doing. But the real reason I did is because I wanted to speak to the person that I was at one time. I wanted to be the mentor that, you know, I didn't have all of these things and these thoughts and these ideas and this inspiration all in one place. Um, and I realized that in a lot of my normal day life, whether it was with my work colleagues or with my family and friends, I was info sharing. I was trying to bring breast practices. I was, you know, telling people I love this, I love that. And if you try this, Um, so it was just a natural outcropping of what I was kind of already doing in my life, but a way to do that where it could reach more people. 
It's funny. I I got so tripped up in wanting to start my podcast. And, and the idea was just really wanting to share the information, right? Share those lessons along the way. Same thing, where I had pavers put in front of me or where I was missing those pavers. Like I just wanted to give all the information to everybody else. And I think I received so much kind of value from other podcasts that I thought, gosh, how can I give back? And so I love, I love that people today are just saying, hey, you know what? I've got this really great idea or concept or things that I want to share with others and adding that value and serving others in doing so. So I was, I'm always curious about what people's path looks like as they've started a podcast. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, because I, I've been listening to podcasts for years and years and years. Um, and people always say that the space is too crowded. Uh, but everybody has a unique voice and has a different way of reaching people and touching people. Um, and so again, with the, the same theme in mind, I, why not? Right. Like right. if it doesn't end up where I want it to end up, it's always something that I can be proud of. Absolutely. Well, a question that I love to ask people is what is something that others value that you just don't subscribe to? You don't buy into it. Hmm. I would say that, I mean, this is trite to say, but the number one thing that comes to my mind would be, you know, that money can buy happiness because it can't. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's a easy replacement for deep seated feelings of dissatisfaction or being stuck. Um, and I, I, I say it's trite because I think most people know, uh, that money can't buy happiness, but yet people still pursue money in a way right. as if it can. So on the one hand, they might say, I know that money can't buy happiness, but they still act in a way as if they are. Uh, and so I just, you know, know that with every fiber of my being that money is not going to buy happiness. If you are not happy internally, nothing you do externally is really going to move the needle that much. Mm. You and I are aligned when we think about the belief of our health is our wealth. Would you share a few tips or maybe even like parts of your routine that are pretty non-negotiable? Like these are things that are important enough to make sure that I do them on a consistent and regular basis that, that lend to what, you know, that your health being your wealth. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things that I think I've just naturally woven in. Sometimes I have to stop and ask myself what they are, but certainly, you know, working out in the morning, um, everybody has a different preference. Uh, it took my, my, me, I don't know what, eight or nine years to get my husband on board with the morning workout routine. And once I did, he was like, cause he was all, he also is extremely health conscious workout, um, even more consistently than I do, but he was more of an afternoon and evening. And once he made that shift, um, I will say anybody that's listening that lifts weights, you're not going to have the same strength maybe that you have in the afternoon, but it is just a better start to your day. I'm just a big believer that when you work out in the morning, you just get it done. There's nothing that can can come between you and your workout. Um, I also am really obsessed with the sauna. We recently got a sauna Mm -hmm. put into our house. We created a sauna shed um, so that we could have friends over to have the sauna too. Um, I love the sauna having that convenience of not having to go somewhere is really nice. And is a, you know, the way that I like to spend my extra money is on health. Um, I also am huge on, I, I really only drink water and coffee. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you have to get a gallon of water a day. Um, but 
definitely you need to drink a lot of water for the ladies, you know, um, listening. If you want good skin, if you want to age well, water is critical. And then, you know, obviously a balanced diet. I still eat chips. I still love pizza. In Texas, we have what's called a kolache. For anybody who hasn't had one, I love them. They're probably on par with a pizza. That's my favorite food and it's not that healthy. Um, So it's balance, but really the key is drinking a lot, enough water, being active in some way and getting enough sleep. It's like most things in life. It's not complicated. It's fairly simple. Doesn't mean it's easy to do, but it pays off in dividends. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that you have a sauna. Sauna is one of my favorite things. And (laughs) And we've kind of toyed with the idea. What I'm looking at investing in right now is a cold plunge and being able to have a cold plunge tub out back to be able to go in every morning. I think it's great in the winter here in Arizona to to hop in the pool, right? You know, I think it's like 50 degrees, 45 degrees. Um, But come like May, it's like a bathtub. (laughs) Same. so... Yeah. So we're like, okay, I, I, I found the one that I want. So we're like, okay, we're going to get this done. And, and so even my boys, they're 11 and 15 and they're like totally excited for it too. Well, I love that. And that would be, I, I, I did tell my husband cause he's very hard to buy for. I was like, maybe, maybe I'll just get you a cold plunge for Christmas. Yeah. Um, because then it would be complete. We have a home gym, uh, or a garage gym that we installed, um, before COVID because my husband looked around and was like, oh my God, things are about to shut down and I'm not going to be able to go to the gym. And I said, babe, you better go and spend whatever you need to spend because I don't want to live with you if you are not working out. He would have been so angry um, to not. So that, yeah. so now we have that and we have this on it. And to your point, um, and you know, anybody that's on Instagram has seen that, you know, the, the, the health of your child is directly correlated to the health of the mother, that little um, right. videos that have been going around. It's true. And when we were in Canada last summer, all of my kids cold plunged in the Canadian rivers. Wow. Uh, and even my middle son had done it. My oldest son wouldn't at the time, but my middle son, when he was four, got in and did a 10 second countdown with my husband in Colorado. So kids do pay attention to that and they see it. And, you know, while they might not have the same uh, discipline as we do, um, just seeing that, talking about it a little bit is going to influence them and change their lives. Yeah. And I think it's amazing when you think about like mental resilience and perseverance, like the ability to, because for anyone who's not ever been in a cold plunge uh, tub or pool, it is like, it is take your breath away cold. I think the average temp is supposed to be like 46 degrees to have your optimal benefit, but (laughs) it, it takes your breath away. And so to sit in it and to, and to get your breath and really have a breathing technique where you can sit there calmly and kind of calm your your body down to be able to take it. that like that's something you have to build up to but i think there's so much to that in all the hard things that life throws at us especially as kids that are in this kind of very worldly world we live in they're going to go up against hard things and i think it's things like that the sauna the the mindfulness around what you're putting in your body how you're exerting energy with your body things like the cold plunge that really help them build up fantastic habits to help, you know, when things, when things maybe don't go their way or things are thrown at them that would normally throw somebody off, they'll be able to, to kind of persevere through that. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's huge, you know, it just, um, that's, that's my, 
you know, whatever I do in the world, that is going to be my greatest contribution is just seeing my little people um, become, you know, stewards of the world, stewards of God, stewards of our environment, you know, and, and making the maximum. And, and I don't think you can do that without health. You know, I mean, what good is it if you make a billion dollars or you save a billion lives, if you yourself cannot continue on that trajectory comfortably past 65? Um, right. It's just, you know, I think you're leaving a lot on the table there. Right. Yeah. We're given one body. If we don't treat it well, there's a lot of examples as to how someone has to live for the rest of their life with a body that is quite broken, you know, or doesn't doesn't function optimally. And so um, it is well worth everyone's time to be able to, even if it's baby steps, to take towards really caring for your body and and in in service of longevity in this in this crazy life that we have. <laughs> yes. And I will add, because I think it's probably relevant to your audience that the other thing that I'm really coming to terms with um, is, you know, I turned 40 at the end of last year and I feel great. I feel like I look younger than I am. But at the same time, it is the balance of I, I want to look great. I want to feel great, but I also want to have fun. And so not focusing too much on the aesthetic part of it, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I worked for a French company for years and there's a different way. Like, you know, when a lady sits down and she adjusts and she doesn't want a little roll hanging out or whatever is going on. Women in France don't do that. I mean, they don't. Mm -hmm. And trying to untrain your brain to think about that. I know that I'm doing all the other things that I should be doing. My husband thinks I look great. That should be enough for me. It's still hard, but I would, I would, you know, push everyone listening to think about that. And what is the purpose of your body? What is the purpose of your health? And it's not to talk down about yourself. And not to say we have to have this perfect physique to be happy or to look good and be comfortable. Um, because I just think getting that extra five or 10% or whatever it is, what is the effort that you have to put into that? And is it taking away from your life? Like, are you not going to have a glass of wine? Are you not going to have a little dessert here and there? I mean, that's, if you don't want to, if you don't like those things, fine. But if you do and you're depriving yourself, I don't think that's great either. Yeah, completely agree. Very well said. Uh, As we wrap up, I want uh, you to share with listeners, you know, where can they find you? Where can they find out more about you or your programs, your podcast? Great. Thank you. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn, Crystal Wear Risk Strategist. Um, I'm also a fledgling on Instagram. I think, you know, I put out some really great content there um, that is unique and different and aligned. um, And it's Get Clear crystal wear. And then I am at crystalwearmedia.com. And when the course launches, it will be there as well. And you can sign up for the newsletter and be the first person to get all of the insights and action. Um, and we send actionable tips, information about the podcast and the great guests that we have on like yourself. Um, and those are the best places to reach me. And maybe in the next 12 months, we'll have a book to talk about. We'll see. Ooh, exciting. Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Crystal, and just sharing so much valuable information. And I think these are the things that people are really hungry for. So I appreciate all your insights. It has been great to be here. And I am so thankful to have these wonderful conversations. Thank you so much for listening and for being here on this journey with me. I hope you'll stick around. 
If you liked this episode, it would mean the world for me if you would rate and review the podcast or share it with someone you know may need to hear this message. I love to hear from you all and want you to know that you can leave me a voicemail directly. If you go to my website, evokegreatness.com and go to the contact me tab, you'll just hit the big old orange button and record your message. I love the feedback and comments that I've been getting, so please keep them coming. I'll leave you with the wise words of author Robin Sharma. Greatness comes by doing a few small and smart things each and every day. It comes from taking little steps consistently. It comes from making a few small chips against everything in your professional and personal life that is ordinary, so that a day eventually arrives when all that's left is the extraordinary. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to create a career you love, get the salary you deserve, and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you're just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful Newsletter has something for you. See you next week.